On this first week of Advent, we pause to focus our hearts and minds on God's promise of hope. Waiting in hope is part of the fabric of Christmas. Did you ever make one of those paper ring chains? Each day leading up to Christmas, you would break off one of the rings until Christmas Eve finally arrived. It may have seemed as if those chains were a mile long, and each time you broke one off, it felt like two more grew. It's hard. And those presents that would sit under the tree just waiting for you, try, you tried to imagine what it could be that was there and going to be there on Christmas Day. Trying to sleep on Christmas Eve, hopeful anticipation could keep you awake much of the night. The anticipation of the holiday is an important part of the holiday. Unfortunately, we live in a world where promises should create hopeful anticipation and often are broken. People make promises they do not keep and make commitments that they do not honor. Hope becomes tarnished and avoided because of those disappointments and experiences. Our willingness to hope is challenged and we resist risking to hope again. Advent is about God's unbroken promises, his promise of hope. God offered his people hope in Isaiah 9-2 by promising a light that would come to expel the darkness. In the New Testament, Simeon witnessed the fulfillment of that promise. And when he saw the baby Jesus with his own eyes, after waiting for so many years, on this day, he recognized the fulfillment of God's promise to bring salvation to all people. Simeon had the audacity to hope that God would honor his promise when others had completely given up. Our hope today is set in the assurance that our God is a God of hope and that he keeps his promises of hope. The arrival of Jesus as a baby, his life, death, and resurrection were not just religious optimism. They were the real moments in real history, fulfilling the hope of those who believe. God's faithfulness gives us a reason to hope for the future. Silent star.
people of hope. If you're really glad about that, let me hear your hands this morning. We are a people of hope. I do want to make uh, one announcement and express my appreciation to our team. Someone asked me about how do you come up with the themes for the lobby and decorations, and I said I don't. I have a team that loves Christmas, and I turn them loose with my foot on the brake. That's how that happens. And so they've done a great job this year. We have a photo op on both ends of the building and the main entrance, the north entrance. And want you to know that is a photo booth, not a coffee resting place. So if you could help us, it's not a place to sit and drink your coffee or for your kids to play tag. And so you'll help us keep it open for photos. That would be great. Okay, thank you very much. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're beginning our Advent series, and the title is God's Unbroken Promises. And this first week is God's Unbroken Promise of Hope. How many of you know the pain of broken promises? Let me see your hands. I'm sure that that's unanimous. I was reading an article that was titled, The Effects of a Broken Promise. And there were some children talking to their dad and their disappointment was apparent when they said you're just like grandma you make promises you can't keep what happened was the grandmother promised to buy them ice cream after school and something came up and she couldn't do it that day and then didn't have money the next time and it ended up postponed day after day until there was never a treat of ice cream her excuse was she either forgot or didn't have the money then their father promised that he would take them, uh, let them take the dogs for a walk at the dog park. However, it never materialized either because the weather got bad and then he forgot and there never was time. And then the weekend, and again, the promise was not followed through. He completely forgot what he'd promised to them. And to you and I, that may seem like an insignificant moment. But after breaking his promise, even though it was unintentional, the fact of the matter was he slipped up. And at that moment, the children didn't want comfort. They wanted an explanation and an affirmation that it would never happen again. Another article talked about the negative effects of a broken promise. 
and with our children, and how many believe that Advent is about children as well as adults, with children, they hear a promise as a declaration, not as a potential. Breaking the promise is a big deal to them. No matter how big or small, a broken promise is something that could form part of the child's memory for years to come. And those who continually face broken promises tend to develop an anticipation of disappointment. Empty promises can honestly lead to trust issues. As parents, we want children to believe what we say, don't we? We want them to believe what we say. So continually making empty promises and not following through will jeopardize that trust. And I'd say also as a sidebar comment, that's in good things as well as bad. Please don't be a parent who says, I'm going to whip your rear end when you get home. And then don't do it. Because they learn that you don't mean what you say. Forever making and breaking promises then also leads to a sense of disrespect. Disappointment spills over to anger because you didn't honor your word. The words might be forgotten by you, but they'll never forget how it made them feel. It makes them feel unimportant, worthless, sad, and rejected. So brushing off why the promise wasn't fulfilled doesn't change anything. And when we don't ask forgiveness to anyone when we break a promise, it allows people to question our morals and our values. So maybe instead of saying, I promise, maybe we should say, we will try. I personally have stories like that, as I'm sure many of you do. One that's burned into my memory banks was when I was in elementary school and Mary Poppins first came to the movie theater. Mary Poppins first came to the movie theater. Yes, I am that old. I was 18 months. at the time and all the kids were talking about Mary Poppins at school and I said mom can we go see Mary Poppins and she said yes I'll take all of you we'll all go see Mary Poppins and so I just assumed because she said it it was going to happen days went by I don't know how long we were at a school event outside and I said to my mom Hey, when are you taking us to see Mary Poppins? And she said, well, we can't. It's gone now. And in that moment, as an elementary or primary age student, I said, you rat fink. I never understood why I got a spanking for rat fink. And there was no penalty for breaking a promise. The injustice struck me as much as anything as a child. My mother would also say when we're planning to go somewhere, she'd say, now don't talk about it. You know, we're planning to go see grandma and grandpa on Friday. Don't talk about it because if you talk about it, you'll jinx it and it won't happen. And many times the promises that were made that we were going to do something didn't happen. And so after a while, I learned to live without any sense of hope with a mindset that said, I'll believe it when I see it, but I'm not going to hope for what I have no assurance will ever happen. I can't trust their word. 
when our family fell apart, when my parents quit going to church, when they began to consume alcohol again and ended up in a divorce, I thought of all the promises that were made that were broken in those moments and the impact that it had. It certainly in my story eroded trust, which is the foundation for any healthy connection. When promises are broken, you know as well as I do that it leads to feelings of betrayal, disappointment, hurt in the person who relied on the commitment. This can result in strained communication, resentment, and a sense of unreliability in the relationship. How many of you are glad you came this morning? Unbroken, I mean, broken promises leave wounds in all of us. And it can make us doubt God's promises. With no representation of someone who keeps their word, you can begin to think, well, why should I believe? It seems like there are more promises broken than are ever kept. Who in their right mind in the United States believes that any politician will do anything close to what they say? They are lying to us to get a vote. And I get the complexity. I'll just say this. Presidential candidates can promise everything, but they can't do anything without the support of the legislature. So when they promise, just know that is a hopeful declaration, not a commitment that will be accomplished. Can't tell you how many times in working with contractors that they've not kept their word when the project would start, when the project would be done, one contractor came in here to do some work on the building and I, this may offend you and right now I don't care. <laughs> but he walked in and I said, I want you to know what I think about you and all the people in your field. I think you're all liars, thieves and cheats. And if you don't keep your word in this project, I am coming after you. I'm starting half mad. And he looked at me and he smiled and he said, I get it. And I thought, Man, I didn't even phase him. I didn't even phase him. Tells me I'm removed from the workforce. I'm sure much worse is said on the workplace than I said in that moment. And they got the job done on time because that was a person who had at least some level of integrity. And one of the funniest things I love is when a retailer guarantees a shipping date. The first year we were here, we made some changes in the building. Some of you will remember the salmon and mint green and the salmon chairs. And we we're going to change all of that. And my daughter was getting married. And I was determined, my middle daughter, that we would have that all done before the wedding. And they assured me, oh, no problem. We have plenty of time. The chairs should be there at least six weeks before your date. Do you know when the chairs came? The morning of the rehearsal. 900 chairs had to be unloaded and moved and placed and stored. What a ridiculous moment that was. Promises that aren't kept. And I've talked to people over the years that have disappointment with God. I've had people say to me that God doesn't keep his promises. I prayed and it didn't happen. I asked and he didn't fulfill. Had a man talk to me not that long ago. I've shared with you, he told me that 10 years ago, he fired God because God didn't produce. Disappointment, pains, Accusations even to God, thinking that 
God doesn't keep his word. I asked and he didn't answer. The problem is he did answer. You just didn't like the answer. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. How many of you are glad that we stand in grace? Let me see your hands. Glad for the grace of God. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we rejoice in our sufferings. How many of our prayers are to eliminate suffering? Paul said we rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint. Now let's walk through that again. He didn't start with hope doesn't disappoint. He started with we rejoice in our suffering. Is there anyone in the house now? And then helped us understand that hope is fruit of a life that when we're dealing with difficult times, we rejoice because we know that God is at work in us to teach us perseverance that will build our character and out of character will come a hope that comes from God that will never, ever disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. And that phrase is incredibly important to know. God has poured out his love. Why does hope not disappoint? Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit he has given us. And we'll come back to that. There's a study group at Harvard called the Human Flourishing Program. And they did a study on the value and the importance of hope. 13,000 people were surveyed and studied. And listen to what they discovered. They found that those who had more hope throughout their lives had better physical health, better health behaviors, better social support, a longer life. Hope was tied to fewer chronic health problems, less depression, less anxiety, and a lower risk of cancer. Hope has benefits. And God made to us a promise of hope that he will not break. We're gonna look at Simeon this morning in the nativity stories you heard in the reading. There was a man that lived his life in hope after 400 silent years between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New. When there was no open vision, God had stopped speaking through the prophets to his people. There was no word from God, but there was a man. He was holding on to a promise that God had given to him and lived his entire life in hope. We can have that kind of hope hope that does not disappoint. So how do we get there? Let me give you some things to think about. Number one, hope is birthed in divine revelation. Hope is birthed in divine revelation. Hope is not birthed in personal proclamation. Hope is birthed in divine revelation, not in your personal Proclamation. The Bible says in Luke chapter 2, verse 26, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, which is phrased for the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Simeon received a word from God, and I want you to see the difference. 
Simeon did not spend his life praying, God, don't let me die till I see the Messiah. God, don't let me die till I see the Messiah. God, don't let me die till I see the Messiah. When we try to impose our agenda on God and anchor our hope in what we want him to do, that will always disappoint. But when your hope is anchored in a divine revelation, we quote the scripture often, my word will not return to me void, and we think that it's like a magic wand. You grab a, vo- uh, a word, memorize it, throw it out there, and it's got to happen, but that's not what it says. God's word will not return to him void, but will accomplish the thing whereunto he sends it. And so divine revelation is when you have a moment with God and his word comes alive in you, and he communicates to you what he's going to do and tells you to put your hope and trust in that. How many of you have had a moment that God's word came alive inside you? Anyone in the house this morning? When it comes alive inside of you you can trust that because it begins with a divine revelation not a proclamation of your personal desires hope was in God Simeon would see the Lord Christ I thought it was interesting I wanted to know how old Simeon was how old how long had he been waiting for this promise to come to pass and it's hilarious what's out there So I turned to that source of indisputable wisdom. No, not Facebook. Wikipedia. And you know that the Orthodox Church believes that Simeon wrote Isaiah 7.14. It wasn't Isaiah, it was Simeon. A virgin shall conceive... And somehow they figured out that he must have been 360 years old. The Eastern Orthodox Church says that he was 200. What do you think about that? I think you can say anything you want to say and somebody will believe it. I have a bridge for sale if you want one. Most likely, historians say he was somewhere around 100 years old, plus or minus, Elderly man, very elderly for that day, and waiting, and waiting, and waiting. And we hear from his declaration that he didn't quit hoping because his hope didn't rest in his desire. It rested in the character of God. I believe, God, that what you said will come to pass, and I can put my confidence in that, and I believe it will happen just the way that you said it. I remember growing up hearing people say, um, Jesus said it, I believe it, and that settles it. And someone else said, that's not accurate. Jesus said it, that settles it, whether you believe it or not. If he said it, it's going to come to pass. You have to believe that what he said is true, that what he declared to you. And what makes Pentecostals different than other other um, Christian organizations or denominations or faith constructs is that we believe that you can walk with God now and that he will talk with you and you can hear his voice and he will direct your steps and if you're not hearing his voice it's because you're not in relationship with him when we hear what he says we can believe it will come to pass when he speaks it into your spirit Some of you are old enough to remember that great theologian, Zig Ziglar. (laughs) Zig Ziglar said this, and I thought it was really good. When there is hope in the future, there's power in the present. 
When there's hope in the future, there's power in the present. Someone else said hope is more than a state of mind. It's an action-oriented strength. Hope is a view to the future that affects how you live in the present. You see, once you have a divine revelation of what God is going to do, you can hold to that and follow that and live in that because hope simply says, I believe what God said to me. Faith comes by hearing and the ability to hear by the word of God. The more time you spend in his word, the more you'll be able to hear his voice. So hope is birthed in divine revelation. Second, hope is maintained, true hope is maintained by the Holy Spirit. Luke 2.25, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So all of these years that he's been waiting, he had a word from God that he would not die till he saw the consolation of Israel, till he saw the Messiah come. And all of those years he lived his life with the Holy Spirit on him. That's what maintains our hope to live in the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit, to have yourself full of the Spirit of God and listening to his direction. The key is to hope. To hope is walking in the Spirit. I read an article in Table Talk magazine, What Happens When Hope Is No More? And they said this is really insightful. Hope is given to us by God's grace. It is sustained in us by God's Spirit. How many heard what I just said? Hope is given to us By God's grace, it is sustained in us by God's spirit for our earthly and eternal goal and all for God's glory. He gives you faith to believe and the power of the spirit to persevere in that hope. People who are walking in the spirit will be people of hope. People who are filled with the spirit will have heard from God and will walk in that revelation because it will be maintained in their devotional private time with God in their closet of prayer and when hope begins to waver, what I don't need is someone else to artificially pump me up with platitudes and self-help statements. I need to get alone with God in the closet of prayer and say, God, I believe what you've said, but I need a refresher. I need a refilling. I need a reminder. I need your presence to come by and refresh that in me. And I'm telling you by experience, I know it to be true. It is birthed in divine revelation, but it'll be maintained by by your relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that will flood that, feed that, and keep it alive. He he was in a place that the Holy Spirit was on him. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by by what? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything in this world wants to take away from us hope. I have, uh, I haven't even told this to my, to my wife, <laughs> but I was sitting, I have a promise I'm holding to, and we were sitting at an event a couple of days ago, and I felt this darkness overwhelm me, that what was promised would never come to pass And I'm sitting there in this event. And you know what I'm really glad for? I don't have to wait till Sunday to pray in the Holy Spirit. 
I don't have to wait for a church service to get with God. And no one else knew what was going on, but I just sat there and began to pray in tongues under my breath against that darkness, against that lie, until that lie went away and that darkness departed and hope was birthed again by the power of the Holy Spirit. How many are hearing what I'm saying to you this morning? Some of you are in a place where you've let the devil strip you of a word God gave you and a hope that you've held to. And I'm telling you that God does not break his promise but you've got to walk in the spirit and let the spirit of God maintain that or this world and the devil and all that's in it will rob you of the blessing that God has for you hope is maintained by the spirit and it was maintained by the spirit because he was righteous and devout hope is a fruit of character the opposite of righteous and devout is character that produces guilt The Holy Spirit abides on godly character. His faith was not flippant, but he was living rightly and justly and devoutly. That means his faith was intense. His faith was serious. He was dedicated to that and he lived doing the right things. You cannot live like you're full of the devil and walk full of hope. Hallelujah. Because the Holy Spirit abides where there's devotion in relationship to God. I'm not saying you can't make a mistake, but people who are full of the spirit want to please God. Come on, someone help me this morning. I know it's Advent, but you'd still be engaged a little bit. He was righteous and devout. Hope, listen to me, hope requires supernatural maintenance. And don't blame God if you lose hope, if you're not keeping your relationship with him intact. It's not his fault. It's not his fault. It's birthed in divine revelation. Hope is maintained by the Holy Spirit. And third, hope is expressed in blessing others. I found this fascinating as I was reading about Simeon in Luke 2.34. After he sees the child and he takes the child, Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to the to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. There's this moment where Simeon in all of these years understood that the blessing of God isn't just for me. Remember in the missions convention, we talked about being so that Christians bless, so that we can bless the nations. When God blesses us, what's the purpose? So that we can bless others. And in that moment, Simeon sees what he has lived for all of his life. And he doesn't leave from there and just go soak on it and write a book. (laughs) Instead, he turns to Mary and Joseph because they're, listen to me, church, in those divine moments of supernatural blessing on your life, God intends that to flow out of you and bless someone else's life. If you want to maintain that, bless the lives of others. Speak life into them. Don't speak death. Speak joy into them. Speak health into them. Share with them what God has revealed to you, what he's done in your life, and encourage them to keep believing as well. Hope cannot be hoarded. I remember an old song we learned in sixth grade. Isn't it amazing? Someone said, I read on Facebook the other day, I wonder what part 
of my, what that part of my brain is doing right now that memorized all those phone numbers. And some of those songs, hope is like a magic penny, hold it tight and you won't have any, lend it, spend it, you'll have so many, they'll roll all over the floor. Hope is like that. If you try to hoard it, well, I got mine. You're not going to get yours. I'm going to hold on to mine. Sorry, you're suffering the way you are, sad sack. But if you're as spiritual as I am, you'd feel the same anointing I feel. Not at all. The blessing of God comes on you always to be a blessing to other people. To pour into them. And immediately Simeon responds after years and years of waiting for the promise. What does he want to do? He wants to speak into the life of Mary and Joseph. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11. A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. You will never know what your word in a moment might mean in the journey of another believer. A word spoken in a moment that can change the course of their life. I had some of those words as a kid growing up. I was, again, just a young youngster. And kids like to sing. How many know kids like to sing? How many of you know what a kid is? <laughs> a child, not a goat, but a child. And we're sitting in the front room, and I'm singing a song, and my sisters, who are all younger, are just really impressed with my ability to sing and my... They called mom in and they said, mom, come in, listen to Gary. He needs to sing in church. And I sang for her and she said to me, well, keep practicing. It destroyed my song. For years, I wouldn't sing in front of anybody because my mother made it clear that it wasn't good enough. I remember in Bible quiz, I was beginning to learn to respond to the spirit of God on the scriptures. And I'm quoting and my mom is following in the text to make sure I get it right. And my parents were having trouble and our home was in trouble and I'm walking back and forth in the kitchen and I'm feeling this this sense of power in the word. And I'm not trying to do a dramatic reading, I'm just quoting what I'm feeling. It had been something like, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that, that whoever believes in him should not perish. I mean, I'm feeling this anointing and I'm, Speaking enough as my dad walked through. He said, do you have to do it like that? I don't think I quoted scripture in front of them again, ever. Is anyone hearing what I'm saying? A word unfitly spoken will shatter a heart. But have you had those other moments? <sighs> we were in a Bible quiz um, practice and I, this is going to shock you. I know you're going to be stunned by this, but I got into a debate with our quiz coach. It was shocking. And I wouldn't relent. So he went and got the pastor. And I frankly didn't care because there's a confidence when you're right. Anybody in the house? And so I'm 
pleading my case and he said, you're both wrong and straightened us both out. And I was content with that. I'll accept a tie. And then he said, I want to see you in my office afterwards. I knew in that moment I was going to walk in the office. He's going to send me straight to hell. <laughs> it's over for me. I'm done. He's going to kick me out of the church. So I walked in and I sat down. And I felt like at camp that year, I, God put a call in my heart to go into ministry. And I said, God, I'm not telling a soul. I'm not telling anyone because everybody that goes to camp gets called to the ministry, either to missions or evangelism or pastoring, because those were the only three on-ramps to ministry at that time. I'm not telling anyone, you'll have to bring it to pass. I sat down in the office, he looked me in the eye and he said, God's called you into ministry, hasn't he? And my first thought was, you broke our promise. <laughs> you weren't supposed to do that. But I, I can't tell you how many times under attack, in the battle, being accused and threatened and criticized that I've gone back to that spot when my pastor looked me in the eye and said, God's called you to ministry. A word fitly spoken can change a life forever. And Simon's, Simeon is in that place where he knows what's going to happen. He's going to raise people. This Messiah will cause the fall of others. A sword will pierce your heart. And in that moment, he's going to bless them with words that will carry them through the high days and the dark days. Because when God's blessed you, he wants you to bless others. And when you're depressed, he just wants you to shut up. Not spread that around. Ask for help, but don't spread your poison. How many are hearing what I'm saying? Be a blessing to others. The thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. And we watched that in Mary as all those things took place. What did she do? She kept them all and pondered them in her heart. And I believe not only because of the revelation that she would have a son when the angel appeared to her and all that had taken place up to that moment because she will remember a righteous and devout man who was waiting for the consolation of Israel who prophesied that this was the Messiah and then blessed them and said, a sword will also pierce your heart. And I believe that prophetic word carried them through their journey to Egypt and back and all of the challenges that took place. Blessing with challenges in view. Hope is expressed by blessing others. Do you want your hope to be maintained? Then let it flow out of you in the lives of others. And last, hope is fulfilled in the human experience. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, <laughs> you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. I, I just can't help it, but I, I see this as kind of a comical moment where Simeon has said, I've been here long enough. I'm ready to go home. Thank you, God, because from here I'm going to the other side. I'm ready to go. I've, you've heard me share the story of the lady in the hospital I went to pray for. She was in her late 90s, and I was praying for God to heal her, and she yelled at me, told me to stop it. 
And I, I said, why, what do you want? She said, I'm ready to go home. Pray this will be quick. And, and a nurse walked in while I'm praying, dear God, let this lady die. <laughs> she, that nurse never asked me to pray for her. I'll promise you that. <laughs> and it was two or three days later, she went home. There's a time when it's, I'm done. I don't mean depressed. I don't mean self-destructive, suicidal. I mean a moment when, and I've talked to people who in a moment will say, I'm ready to go. Now, if you're saying, well, why is he leaving me here? Because he's not done with you. He has a purpose for you. You can still pray. If you don't have anything else to do, pray for me. Pray for my family. Pray for the church. You can do that anywhere. But there's a moment when he said, my purpose is fulfilled. But I want you to see, while I have hope in heaven, come on, I have hope in heaven. And I trust that he will take care of me on that day. There's a hope that has fulfillment in your present experience. Everything that God does isn't just heaven, it's fulfillment here. Simeon, you'll see it while you're alive. He could have died in hope, but he died seeing the fulfillment of the promise. And there are times that God will do that for you, that he wants you to experience the fulfillment of his promise in this temporal life. You can live in hope of the present and you will see fulfillment before you go to heaven. I want to assure you this morning that God's promise of hope remains unbroken and if you're in a place that you've lost hope that you've given up I'm not here to pound you over that I'm here to call you back to a place that hope can be birthed in divine revelation that it can be flourished and maintained by the spirit of God that you become a blessing to others with an expectation that I'll see it I believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I want to see it happen here. So on this first Sunday of Advent, with heads bowed and eyes closed, please, no one looking around, I just feel like God wants to help someone that's given up hope. Maybe you wanted to fire God. Maybe you have. Maybe you've given up on a promise that he's given to you. I'm calling you back to remind you that God's promises will never be broken. He will keep his word. And if you're in a place where you feel like the promise of God has not been fulfilled, then you're living without hope. With no one looking around, would you just lift your hands so I can pray for you? Thank you, yes, thank you. I'm gonna wait just a minute. The spirit of God's moving in the room. Yes, 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 thank you, yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Here's what I believe is going to happen when we close in worship in just a moment. That if you'll let the Spirit of God move on your heart, you'll find hope being refreshed. But here's what I know. You can't have hope if you have no relationship with Jesus Christ. So my second question is that this Sunday, first Sunday of Advent, when we look back to his first coming, live in expectation of his second coming. If you don't know Jesus as your personal savior, 
It's as simple as admitting your need, believing he died for you and rose from the dead and confessing him as Lord. If you want to begin a journey with Jesus today, whether you're watching online here in the main auditorium or in the North Chapel, with no one looking around, would you just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, I'm going to begin my journey with Jesus today. I'm not a Christ follower. I want to begin my journey with Jesus today. I want to give you that opportunity. Anyone this morning? All right, let's stand together and let's let hope be renewed in our hearts. As we worship, let the Spirit of God renew hope in all of our hearts.
know I've already alluded to this, but I feel like there's someone here that needs to hear what I have to say next. I want to prophesy to you, whoever you are and wherever you are. But it's weighing heavy in my heart. There's someone here, maybe someone's here, who are so wounded by broken promises, by religious leaders, mentors, people you've looked up to that have let you down. And I'm saying to you, you need to let go of that. And I dare you to risk trusting him again. If you will risk trusting him again, you will not be disappointed. I dare you to risk trusting him again. If you're glad we're a people of hope, let me hear your hands this morning. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Take your hope and bless somebody today before you leave or even when you're at lunch, make sure you're a blessing to the people around you.